are uh, in a study called The Circle Maker. And uh, let me give you a little bit of background on this. This story in particular was taken from uh, a book called The Book of Legends. And The Book of Legends is a collection of stories from rabbis and from the Talmud. And these are old writings from people in the, the, the uh, priests and the rabbis from the Old Testament, okay? And this is all pre-Jesus time. And the story that we're talking about, the legend of the circle maker, his name is actually Honey. And Honey was a sage that lived on the outskirts of town, okay? He was not inside the city, and there's a reason for that. He was not very popular with the, the political heads of state at that time or, or the religious people. And so Honey lived outside, but Honey had a reputation of praying for rain. And so during this time, this is the last century before Jesus comes. So it's been 400 years that there has just been silence from God. He's not talking to anybody. He hasn't said anything to anybody. All the prophets have died off. They're not hearing anything from God. And so nobody's praying like they should. But Honey believed that even though they weren't hearing from God, that he could still pray to God and that God would hear him. And so he was famous for praying for rain. And up to this point in our story, it's been a year and there's been no rain at all. And so the people come out to Honey and they say to him, they say, we need you to pray for rain. So Honey walks out of his, out of his tent and he takes his staff with him and he sticks his staff into the ground and he spins around and creates himself a circle. And then he falls to his knees in the middle of the circle and here is what he prays. He says, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. That's a bold prayer to pray, isn't it? How many of you would dare to tell God, I'm not moving from this spot. I'm not going to leave this moment or this place until you answer. How many of you would dare to do that? The God of the universe, the one who spoke and the world was created, how many of us would dare to do that? And yet here Honey is doing it. And I believe that Honey was, his prayer honored God because it was so bold. Now it wasn't, it wasn't that he was doing it in arrogance. He didn't demand and say, God, you're a vending machine. If I put this dollar in here and press F4, you give me Skittles. It's not like that. Honey's praying a prayer that will be a blessing to an entire generation. There's been no rain for a year. And so when Honey prayed, a sprinkle came down. And it started to sprinkle on the people. And the people that were standing around watching Honey began to rejoice because there was finally rain. Now, sprinkles don't mean much unless you haven't had a sprinkle in over a year. You understand what I'm saying? When there's been no rain, you get excited about that. But Honey said this. He said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. Man, the gall of this guy. He's got, God's answered him. He's got a sprinkle. But he, say, he has the nerve to tell God, nah, that's not what I prayed for. That's not what I asked for. And so he's having to refine his prayer a little bit. God answered, but it wasn't what he was looking for. He said he wanted rain so much that it would fill cisterns and caverns. And so it begins to rain so hard that people would start to run for higher ground because there's flooding. Honey, now probably drenched and the ground a little muddy and his circle maybe vanishing a little bit, falls to his knees again and says, Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. And it began to rain in an even and pleasant rainfall. 
Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine what just happened? And being somebody who watched this, being somebody who watched, Honey got a reputation. From that day forward, he was known as the circle maker. He drew a circle and said, I'm not moving from this point. Can you imagine what the religious leaders of the time were saying? They said, it's blasphemy. How dare he? How dare he demand anything from God in such a way to speak to God like that? So Honey was, was even threatened. He was excommunicated from the city and his life was threatened. <clears throat> but because the miracle could not be denied, ultimately he was honored for his act of prayerful bravado. And so this was a prayer that saved a generation. And so today we're going to explore the power of a single prayer. And the very first thing that you and I have to do is land in a place that says that bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. This is a truth that Honey knew and this is a truth that we have to start believing. That bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. Why is that? Can you imagine? There's a story of Napoleon. I'm going to tell lots of stories today, okay? There's a story of Napoleon. Not Napoleon Dynamite. Gosh, not that guy. Napoleon, the war hero. And there's a story of him that he's in his tent with his generals. They're planning their next attack. And one of the guys, and, I, and I'm sorry, I'm not sure what the, what the assignment was or what his rank was, but I know that he was just an officer in the army. He was not a general. He was not a sergeant. He was nobody in the rankings. And he comes into Napoleon and he says to him, Sir, he interrupts their meeting. And he says, Sir, I have a question for you. There's an island just off the coast. When this war is over, may I have it? Napoleon doesn't even think about it. He says, absolutely, and grants him his wish, takes down his information. He's going to email him, let him know when the war is over, and he gets the island. Probably isn't going to happen with the email thing, but anyway. So Napoleon grants his wish, and the generals looked at each other, and they asked him, they said, why would you give him that? You've never given us anything like that. We're your generals. And Napoleon said, he honored me with his request. He honored me because he believed that I had the power to give him such a great thing. And that's why bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. When we ask him for a bold thing like Honey did, we are placing God in a position and saying, God, you are the only one who can do this. This is the thing that is too big for me to do on my own. And I need you to answer in a big way. And God will honor those. Now again, like I said, God's not a vending machine. You don't just pray this prayer and God answers immediately. Sometimes you pray that prayer again and again and again and again. But that's what being a circle maker is all about. Refusing to leave that spot until God answers in one way or another. And see, God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less than that. When we pray for things that we have the capability to do ourselves, God is not honored in that because you're praying for, uh, Lord, help me get through this week. You're going to get through this week. Lord, um, I need strength to get out of bed. You've got the strength to get out of bed. Now, sometimes I understand you're sick and you need that kind of strength. That's a healing touch that's different. But if your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. Just let that sink in for just a minute. Everybody feeling uncomfortable? Awesome. <laughs> 
Because if they don't require divine intervention, they will offend God. Ask God to part the Red Sea or make the sun stand still or an iron axe head float in the water and God's all about it. He's going to answer just as quick as you can, as you can blink. And there is nothing more that God loves than keeping his promises, answering prayers, performing miracles, and fulfilling dreams. Because that's who he is. That is what he does. And the bigger the circles we draw in prayer, God gets more glory. And so we have these things. We have this. I promise you this, that God is ready and waiting. So while I have no idea what circumstances you find yourself in, I'm confident that you are only one prayer away from a dream fulfilled. A promise kept or a miracle performed. It's absolutely imperative as we jump into this, into this study that you believe one thing, that God is for you. If you don't believe that God is for you, then you won't pray bold prayers. You won't pray prayers that honor God. If you don't believe that God will answer your prayers, you won't pray. Why would you, right? It's like, you know, and I'm sorry if I'm dispelling anybody in this room, but writing a letter to Santa Claus He doesn't exist. What's the point? Why would you write a letter to Santa Claus? Well, if you don't believe that God is for you and that God will answer you, you won't pray. Sorry. I don't think anybody was listening back there. So we have to believe that God is for you. (laughs) Because your prayers become your prophecies. The prayers that you pray today will determine your life to come. Has anybody experienced this? That the prayers that were prayed for you by your parents or by your grandparents, you're now seeing happen in your life. You are a result of the prayers that have been prayed for you. You are here today as a result of somebody's prayer. Now, whether you know who that person is that was praying for you or not makes no difference at all. I pray for you all on a weekly basis. I pray for every single person that's going to be in these chairs. I pray for the hearts of the people that are going to be in these chairs. I pray for you. Whether I know your name or not, it doesn't matter. I pray for you. You being here is a result of somebody's prayer for you. Your life is a result of that. The transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. And so I want to give you an example here. I want to tell you a story about how this particular study, believing that God answers bold prayers, changed my life. Last year, I read this book early Uh, I want to say early January, maybe December of 2011. And I began to pray through it. And I began to to ask God for bigger things. I got a prayer journal and I started writing in a prayer journal and asking God to do specific things in my life. See, that's what Honey had to do. He got very specific and very clear. He prayed for rain. He got rain, but not the rain he wanted. And he said, had to pray again. And yet it still wasn't right. And so God demanded of him to pray a very specific prayer, which he said, a reign that is blessing for your people. And so I learned this and I, uh, I was woke. I woke up on a Thursday morning, one morning, and I had like a vision or something. I'm not really sure. I'm not going to tell you I saw something, but I had a heavy impression from Moscow. Everybody thinking Moscow. When I say Moscow, are you thinking Russia? That's what I was thinking. And so I woke up early in the morning and I'm like, wow, what is this? I don't know anything that's going on in Moscow. I have no idea. So I got up and in my prayer time, I prayed for the city of Moscow. Prayed for the people. I prayed for the poverty. I prayed for the political heads. I prayed if there's any war, any kind of dissension in in the country. I didn't know. 
And I decided not to get on Google to look it up. I decided, since the Holy Spirit had put it in my heart, that I was going to let him lead my prayer. So that day I went, and it was one of the days I was interning with my pastor, and I said, do you know anything that's going on in Moscow? And he said, no, don't know anything that's happening in Moscow. All right. So I continued to pray for Moscow, not knowing what was going on, thinking all the time that it was Moscow, Russia. And on Tuesday, so this is Thursday that I woke up, Tuesday, I'm still praying about it, and it's really heavy on my heart. I went to the Google machine. I decided to break, break my decision, and I went to the Google machine, and I Googled Moscow. And the very first result was not Moscow, Russia. It was Moscow, Ohio, which they say Moscow, Ohio. And this was in March. The beginning of March, here's what I found. I want you to go ahead and play that video for me if it works. A tornado, one of the greatest tornadoes, or the biggest tornadoes, hit Moscow, Ohio, beginning of March. A different one. I started to weep, and I started to cry. Because this was a month after the whole event had happened. It was towards the end of the month. I want to say it was the 20th. It's in my prayer journal. I have it. Trent, can I have my prayer journal? I wrote down that God spoke to me about it, and, I, and uh, it was the 23rd, the day that I woke up. And on the 27th, God confirmed that Moscow, Ohio, Ohio which was destroyed by a tornado, or tornado on March 2nd. And on this day, on that day, I was moved to action. This city was completely wiped out. 70% of its homes were destroyed. And the biggest part, the more research I did, I found that 43% of the people that lived there didn't have insurance. They had no way of rebuilding their homes. And like that woman said, we're not going to rebuild. They're not. There were multitudes, so 70% of that city, which it's, it's just a small little city on the riverfront, but it was wiped out and all these families were displaced. And so I sat there and I wept and I began to pray for the city of Moscow. I didn't know how to pray. I just prayed for the people that were broken. It had been almost a month, and I'm like, God, why are you having me pray for these people now? Certainly FEMA's gone down there. Certainly all these agencies have already gone. What could I possibly pray for them? The more I looked into it, the more I found that broke my heart. Habitat for Humanity would not go. FEMA went there but would not declare it a national uh, wasteland. They were, they were destruction. Or, uh, I'm losing the words here, but they would not. Oh, yeah, thank you. A national disaster. Thank you. So FEMA wouldn't give them a dollar. And all of these people, 43% of them, no insurance, could not afford to rebuild. And they were living with friends or family in nearby cities or had moved completely away. Lives completely uprooted. A friend of mine who worked in the senator's office was down there to give relief. And so they, he knew that, that Red, the uh, Red Cross had been there and had given them food, had given them temporary shelter if they needed it, clothing, supplies like that. But what they needed more than anything was money to rebuild. And so I'm praying and I'm like, God, I don't even know how to pray. And so I, I felt impressed in my heart. I wanted to take them a gift. I was like, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to get in touch with somebody down there. I'm going to find a church and I'm going to call a pastor. And luckily there was a pastor in the newspaper. I looked him up and I called him and he said, you need to come down and see it. And he explained what was going on and that the greatest need was for finances to rebuild. And I said, well, I got to take a financial gift down. So I began to pray about a financial gift. 
And uh, I, I said, well, they need lots of money. And I said, Lord, I'm going to pray this bold prayer. I want to take down a $10,000 offering to these guys. And, uh, and then I went to my coffers and I was like, I can give them a hundred bucks. Ever been there? And so I started to share that I was going down and I was going to take a gift and another family contributed, my parents contributed and together we were a whopping $200 that we could take down as a financial gift. And uh, it was a great opportunity to do that, but $200 isn't what they needed. They needed more than that. So I'm going to put this story on pause for just a moment. We're going to dive into our, the scriptures. If you're here today and you need a Bible, I'll come back to the story and I'll finish it. I know I've got you on a hook, and that's where I want you. I want you to stay until the end. If you need a Bible, if you just let us, if you raise your hand and let us know, we'll give you a Bible. And uh, this is a Bible for you to keep, but we're going to dive into the scriptures. We're going to be in Joshua 6, 1 through 6. Just raise your hand if you need one. We'll give you one. And uh, this is a gift for you to take home. It's not just for use during the service, but you can take it home today if you need one. Great. So in Joshua 6, 1 through 16, okay? So this is a lot of text and I'm going to get through it. But this is the story of Jericho. So Moses has brought the people out of Egypt and they're getting ready to move into the promised land, okay? And Joshua, uh, this is the first battle. They have to clean out the area. There are are inhabitants in the land and Jericho is one of those cities. Now Jericho has huge walls and let me just talk to you a little bit about those walls. They are a six-foot wide lower wall and a 50-foot high upper wall encircled the entire city. So this place is impregnable. In other words, there's no way to get inside of it. And Joshua has no choice but to pray and say, what are we supposed to do and how are we supposed to take this city? There are multiple ways that we can get in here. We can cut off their food supply so that the people are forced to starve and then come out. We can cut off their water supply. God, how do you want us to do this? We can shoot arrows over the wall until they finally surrender. What do you want us to do? And God answers in a very strange way. So it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I'm not sure how he's supposed to see that. That looks like an impossible situation to me. But he says, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Say what? He wanted Joshua and his whole entire army to march around the city once for six days in a row. Around the whole thing. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. We're almost home, guys. Stick with me. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So now not only are they in full gear, marching around the city, they've got the Ark of the Covenant, they've pulled it out of the temple. They're marching around. So basically a parade is going to bring down these walls. Okay? How many of you guys enjoy parades? This is a parade. It's got trumpets. Nobody's throwing candy. That's not allowed. 
depends on which city you're in. But there is a parade around the city. Can you imagine what the people of Jericho inside are saying? They have to think that they're fools. They can't possibly understand what's about to happen to them. And then Joshua tells them on top of it, not only are we going to march around the city, which took forever, he tells them, you don't even get to talk. In fact, don't say a word. All of you shut up. March around the city. Don't say a word until the day that I tell you to speak. And so, so but Joshua had commanded, we'll jump back in, verse 10. But Joshua had commanded the army, didn't, oh, sorry, at verse 12, right? Nope, 11. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests carried the seven trumpets, went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, and they did this for six days. Okay? Do you want me to read all that to you again for each day? No. Okay, cool. We're good. So on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. So instead of once, we're now going around the city seven different times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. And you know what happened? The walls came tumbling down. Their act of obedience, their, their one prayer, how do we handle this? And God answered them. When God said, your entire army is to march around the city once a day for six days, on the seventh day you're to march around the city seven times. Every soldier in the army had to wonder why. But you see what's happening. They're circling. Their impossibility, their big, bold prayer, they're circling. They're circling, just like the circle maker. Why not use a battering ram? Why not scale the walls? They had to be asking all kinds of questions. They had to feel foolish. But when the walls came down, they didn't feel foolish anymore. God answered in a big way simply because they circled Jericho. So if you keep on circling, here's the lesson. If you keep on circling the promise that God has given you, ultimately, he will deliver on it. So here's my question for you. What's your Jericho? I don't know all of your lives intimately enough to say this is your Jericho. What's your Jericho? What's your impossibility? What is that thing for you that is impossible that you need to circle in prayer. What is that thing you want to, is it something you want to accomplish? Is it a job you want to have? Is it a relationship? What is it? See, this miracle is a microcosm. In other words, we're looking at it, we need to look at it this way. It it not only reveals the way God performed this particular miracle, it also establishes a pattern for us to follow. It challenges us to confidently circle the promises of, of God that he has given us. And it begs the question, what is your Jericho? What promise are you praying around? What miracle are you marching around? What dream does your life revolve around? See, drawing prayers circles around your Jericho is important. But if you don't know what your Jericho is, well, then we need to identify that. You've got to identify the promises of God in order for you to be able to pray around them and see them happen in your life. You have to identify them. The problem is is most of us don't know what we want. We haven't taken the time to search our heart. We can't answer that question. Here's a a great story. 
Instead of drawing circles, we draw blanks. But more than a thousand years after the Jericho miracle, Jesus is walking along Jericho as well. And he's hailed down like a taxi cab by two blind guys. And Jesus says the most remarkable thing to them. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now this is Jesus talking, okay? And there's two blind guys. Anybody see the obvious thing that, they, that, that he could do for them? He's got a reputation for healing people. They know that. They know who he is. They hailed him down. And yet he still asks the question, what can I do for you? Why? Because he wanted to know what it is that they wanted. He wanted them to identify it. See, there are some prayers or there are some miracles that God will never do because we never ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And so Jesus makes these guys identify specifically what it is they want him to do. And of course they say, Lord, we wish to receive our sight. And he prays for them and they're healed. But it's the same for us. If Jesus was standing here right now and you hailed him down and he were to say to you, John, what is it that you want? Now, John, you don't have to answer me, but, I, but if he were to say to you, John, what do you want? Could you answer? Would you have an answer? Do you know what it is in your life that you need? The blind men knew. Their greatest point of need was their sight. What's yours? Are you bold enough to hail Jesus down and ask him for it? That's what this lesson, that's what this study is all about. Being willing, being bold enough to ask Jesus for your greatest need. Jesus will make you spell it out because he wants to make sure you know what you wanted. He wants to know that, or we have to know what to circle in our lives. So while God is for us, most of us have no idea what we want God to do for us. And that's why our prayers aren't just boring us. They're uninspiring to God. Think about that. If faith is being sure of what we hope for, then being unsure of what we hope for is the complete opposite of faith, isn't it? Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11, 1. It's the substance of things that we hope for. If you're not hoping for anything, you don't have faith. Right? And the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is our responsibility to have faith. So like the two blind men, we have to be able to answer that question. So this, this is the challenge as we get into this study. I want to challenge you, and I need to wrap up and close. I don't need to finish the story about Moscow and tell you what happened and close. Obviously, the answer to this question will change over time about what is your greatest need from Jesus. But I want to challenge you, don't just read the Bible. Start circling promises. What is the need? Find what the scriptures say about God, how God can answer that need and pray over them. Don't just make a wish. Write down a list of goals. Get a prayer journal. If you've never prayer journaled before, this is an incredible key to have. Get a, get a notebook. Write down your prayers. Date them. And when God answers, put a date next to it. And say, this is how God answered. I've got plenty. And in this journal, I go back to this. And I'm able to thank God. And when I'm doubting that God will answer my prayer, all I have to do is look and see how many times he's answered over and over again. So I want to challenge you that as we go through this study, get a prayer journal. Try this. Because let me tell you what my prayer journal, the next part of my prayer journal in this story of Moscow after I discovered everything that they needed, 
I said, Lord, the $200 I want to take or that I'm able to take down is not enough. The $10,000 that I was even praying for, being obedient and praying a bold prayer, it's not enough. 70% of the city was gone. How many of you know that $10,000 when you go to build a house is not enough? Anybody ever here ever built a house on $10,000? Can't do it. Can't rebuild. So my prayer was too small. And I felt convicted. I got off the phone with that pastor and he said, I want you to come down. And I checked with my boss and he said I could go. And I went out the side of the building and I began to pray. And I said, $10,000 is not enough, God. So I started to pray. I said, Lord, I pray that you would send wealthy businessmen and women with the finances to rebuild this city. I pray that you would send them favor with organizations because FEMA wasn't going. There was no national help. There was no state-level funding. There was nothing. And I confirmed these. Nothing for them. They were just scattered. And so I began to pray that prayer and I prayed that prayer and I just felt this, this strength. It was amazing. It was bold. It was bigger than me. That was on Wednesday. And on Friday morning, I drove down to Moscow and I took my son Tyler with me. When we got there and I arranged for a time to meet with the pastor, the pastor was late. By half hour, we stood at his church and just waited, waited, and waited. Didn't know where he was. And then he shows up and he says, I'm so sorry. He said, there was a town meeting today. He said, you're never going to believe this. And I said, really? And he told me that that morning, unannounced, they didn't know they were coming, a bank rolled in on Friday morning and said, we're going to give you a grant of four to five million dollars of whatever you need to rebuild your city. A grant, not a loan. Now you can sit there and you can say, Aaron, all that had nothing to do with you. That's fine. But God woke me up and had me pray over something I had no idea about. Do I take any credit for that? No, it's bigger than me. It's greater than me. But I want to challenge you today to pray bold prayers. I get to look back on that. That's in my prayer journal. And I get to declare to God that he did it before and he can do it again. Can you imagine? I, I can pray for anything. What do you need? I can pray for anything because I believe that my God is able. It has nothing to do with me has everything to do with the power of our God to answer. Some of you will never have these promises answered in your life and you'll never see them happen because you won't be willing to pray. And I'm challenging you to pray, to ask God for them, to go before him boldly and ask him for them, to begin that this week. Let's pray. I'll close. Every head bowed, every eye closed. this is your first time ever hearing about Jesus, if this is your first time ever hearing that we have a God who answers prayers and you don't know who he is and you're not part of that family, I want to invite you into it. It's an amazing place to be. God is so much bigger than you know and I want to introduce you to Jesus. So if you don't know him and you want to know him, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. I don't want to embarrass you. Just raise your hand and we'll pray together. And I'll introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to thank those who have raised their hands. You can put your hands down. 
Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody pray it out loud so that nobody's praying alone. Father, everybody out loud, let me hear you. Father, I accept your son Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and make me whole. And give me your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live every day for you. And I will. Now, if you've just prayed that prayer and it was the first time you've ever prayed it, I want to tell you that you are now entered into the family of God. And I want to talk to you more after the service. If you have an opportunity, I'd love to chat with you. For those of you that are here today, I want to pray for you and for myself that we would continue to pray or become people that would pray bold prayers. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you for this study. I thank you for your word, your promise that you will answer. Your word says if we would humble ourselves and pray, that you would hear from heaven. So Lord, we repent. We ask you to forgive us for not being a people who will pray. And Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, we would leave with a refreshing inside, a renewal and a commitment to pray, to get a prayer journal, to write down those prayers. And when you answer them, to rejoice over them, to share them with our friends and our families. God, give us boldness. Help us pray bold, specific prayers like Jesus required of us. Specific prayers like the children of Israel prayed and like Honey prayed. Lord, help us clear out the clutter of our minds and clear out the clutter of our days so that when we pray, we can be specific and ask you exactly what we need. Give us the boldness to pray prayers that are big enough that you would be honored by them, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we have people in the back that have tags just like this. We'll give you just a moment to get prayer and then we'll close. I apologize for going a little long today. I thank you for your grace in that. But if you need prayer, you can go to the back of the room here. They've got tags like this. We'll give you just a moment and we'll come close.